Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I cover another fear in my F-Word series, which is the fear of missing out in horsemanship. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. I'm Lynn Reardon, the host of the podcast and head coach at Horsewise. Today, I want to talk to you about a pretty classic fear that many people have in multiple areas of their life, and that is the fear of missing out. And that is something that I see quite a lot in the horse world, where people have this kind of almost urgency about trying to do too many things all at once, not just necessarily with the horses, specifically when they're at the barn, although that's definitely true, but also just in how they're rushing around in their day-to-day life, just even before they arrive at the stable to go and halter their horse. They've been so frantic throughout the day. They've maybe done maybe five or six errands. They are rushing from work. They're rushing from picking up their children or dropping their children off or arranging doctor's appointments or all of the myriad things. You know, they're buying a house, they're selling a house, they're shopping for a house, they they need a trailer, they have to sell their trailer. All of the different things just sort of one after the other kind of multiply over and over. And I think it's kind of ironic that in this era of like super modern technology, which I love, I love technology, that we still feel really harassed, maybe a little pressured. We always feel like time is short, even though we have so many more time-saving devices through the technology. And instead what we do is we cram even more activities into the time that we've saved with our great technology so that we're rushing even more. I recently saw an article where there was a school that asked the students, I think it was a middle school, they asked the students to write on a big, they created like a big kind of poster area on the wall of a classroom to write how many times they got notifications from, you know, TikTok or Snapchat or Instagram or all the different things they might be on. And it was like this amazing number. It was something like 1,500 notifications that they were receiving on their phones during a normal school day. Just like that constant ping, ping, ping. And we get so acclimated to responding to that. And then we take that, I think, into our daily physical lives where we're sort of acting all the time as if we are rushing, reacting to a response. You know, we have to always be in motion. The idea of just sort of sitting calmly and finishing a task or thinking through an interesting problem or just being quiet and observing things, that gets a little bit lost maybe in the modern era. And again, I'm not an anti-technology person. I love technology, but I think it's important to, to know when to set it aside and just focus on being in the moment. And so the busyness, the constant need maybe to be productive or to be a sort of 3D version of your Instagram feed, I think is a mistake. And it leads us to, again, perpetually interrupting our train of thought to do the next thing or the next task or the next uh, project or the next appointment when our horses are just sort of there in the moment waiting for us to join them. And I wanted to give a little example of something that happened just today that really reminded me of this concept, this 
fear of missing out. So uh, I have a horse. I've talked about him many times in this in this podcast. His name is Santo, and uh, he's a big appendix quarter horse. Uh, very very emotional. Likes to share all of his feelings all of the time. Great horse has taught me so much. And uh, over the last several months, he's had some issues. He's had uh, hind suspensory injury. He's had ulcers. He's had just a variety of things kind of come up. And I, at one point, thought that it might be time to, at the very least, give him turnout for a year, just give him some time to rest and, you know, regain sort of his health and his strength. But what I was finding was that the lack of work was actually making him more agitated, like he really missed the work. So I sat down with the vet and I was like, look, I know typically for this kind of injury, you want to do a lot of walking in straight lines and kind of keep things simple. But Santo, he likes to dance and he's been very excitable and I'm not sure that I can keep him to those straight lines. In other words, if he really does get you know, a bit anxious and troubled, I'm going to need to move him a little bit differently. You know, I'm going to need to roll his hindquarters and maybe do some short serpentines. And so I talked to the vet about that. Like, would that create more of an issue for injury or would I be making it worse than just simply leaving him alone for another month or two and letting him kind of get more rest? And the vet, after examining him in a highly dance state, he came into he came into the examination very excited. She was like, "I really think he needs to be worked. I think that this will help him. Just go slow. If he does get agitated or he needs you to sort of de-escalate, do what you need to do. But I think this would be good for him." So with absolutely zero expectation, I started out riding him. I guess it's been a little less than a month now. And very slow to the extent he would permit it. And one of the things I noticed right away was that uh, he was really not interested in walking out or trotting. Uh, what he he was a little bit nervous for sure. But what he was offering me was gorgeous walk to canter transitions and canter to walk transitions. Now I wasn't necessarily asking for those, so it wasn't as though I had got there and started randomly pushing these buttons buttons he's never really fully had, by the way, but he really was offering it to me. And so I was like, all right, I don't want to say no to this. This is kind of interesting. We have to keep the rides very short because that's a bit strenuous on the hind end to do that kind of, of movement. And, and it's also can be the start of some really elegant, more upper level movements. And I didn't want to sort of overface him in that you make him sore, make his injury worse, but also create a sense of tension or pressure about this kind of movement. So the fact that he was offering it was lovely. And I would actually say that I would go, Oh, that's lovely. And I would pet him and thank him and ask him to go down to a walk. And then if he wanted to lope, if I could feel him gathering himself, I would position myself accordingly in the saddle and just simply doing that with my legs and, you know, my upper body, he would flow into as I said, a very lovely, slow, almost collected canter depart. So we would do that a few times, and then maybe I would do a little rolling of the hindquarters if needed, and a few other simple movements, and then I would dismount. So I kind of kept doing that just real slow, however he presented himself. And the rule was, when I was working with Santo, that that was the only thing on the agenda, which is typically how I approach working with horses, but double so 
this case. So it was very important that I not be rushing, that I not come into those sessions uh, feeling under pressure to complete quickly, that I had another appointment lined up. It would be however much time he needed to do groundwork, to relax and warm up. And then while the ride itself might be short, I would have this very sort of unhurried, relaxed tone to it. Well, what I discovered today was that uh, although to me, I always thought that these movements, you know, walk to canter, depart, canter to walk, depart, preparing essentially for counter cantering and flying lead changes. I always thought those were things that required lots of practice and almost maybe, I mean, early on, maybe in my riding career, lots of drilling or that you really had to be perfectly sophisticated in how you presented it to the horse. And Santo is an interesting horse in that he is kind of, a, he's a weaver and he can be a little bit, as I said, emotional. And I had never really schooled him to the point prior to him having this injury where we were really, what I would say, super close to flying lead changes. We were getting there and we certainly were working on some canter, walk, lope transitions, but I was not hammering on them, so to speak. I wasn't driving like, oh, we have to get this done. So as we are kind of coming into this rehab process, what I was changing was my idea of how these movements can be developed. And the quieter I was and the more focused I was on how he was arranging his body, in other words, what he was offering up to me and how I would respond in turn, the smoother these transitions became to the point that today when I got on him, he was very calm as sometimes these movements can create a great deal of agitation if you're not, um, if you're not kind of in the right mindset when you ask the horse to do them. Uh, he was extremely calm and we started doing very kind of collected, again, walk, canter, canter, walk transitions on a smaller circle. And as we were doing that, I started alternating. I would I would bring him from the walk up into the correct lead for the circle, the direction of the circle. And then I would bring him down to a walk, again, just shifting my body. It was not a great deal of rain contact. There was some, but it was mostly coming from, as it should, you know, my my seat and my body and my legs. And, uh, and then we'd get down to the walk. And then I would just very quietly ask him to do a counter canter from the walk on the circle. And he would very happily do that. He would flow right into that counter canter. We would only carry it for, you know, a minimum number of steps. And then we would go back down to the walk. And then I would ask for the correct lead, so to speak. And I was expecting there to be some tension in him about that. And he was just lovely. Again, it's the word that comes to mind. He was very balanced. He was very correct. He had a little more difficulty going when we were going to the right on the circle, doing the counter canter with his left lead, but he smoothed it out pretty quickly, just meaning he had a little bit more trouble arranging his body for the smooth transition. And the rule was I didn't want an abrupt or rush transition. It needed to be very slow and relaxed. Otherwise we would just sort of stay at the walk because I didn't want to create that sense of pressure on him. And sure enough, he give, gave me a really lovely counter canter in that direction as well. And, and we ended on that note. And as I dismounted, I was just struck by the fact that if I had been rushing around, if I had been hyper-focused on getting something done or 
looking for just the right training technique to to get this worked out, these these lovely counter counter canter transitions, that I would have missed this incredible experience with him and how interesting it was that his rehab, which required both of us to slow down, actually ended up moving him so much more quickly down the path to refined movement. As I said, the last thing before he got injured that we were working on were some very simple walk to canter transitions. And it was almost as if when I got on him the first time after the rehab, he, it's like he wanted to show me that he remembered that. And uh, so that's my little story about kind of trying to avoid the fear of missing out. When we get really hyper-focused on that and we try to do too many things, both at the barn and also just in our personal life and in our professional life, we miss these quiet things. and We miss where the good stuff is and we miss the surprises. So I would just sort of urge all of you, if you have a fear of missing out, just try to put that to the side and really focus on what's happening right there before you in the moment, because that's the thing you really don't want to miss out on. Thank you for listening. And as always, I hope you have a wonderful day.